Yeah, I think it's, um, the, the Timbers have built an organization where that's normal. My mom even walked around, she said, everyone's so nice here. Everyone's so nice. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I think it's- It's uh, a very Portland thing. I think it's, the, or, the, the Timbers have done a great organization of that, but personally, I think I've hopefully surrounded myself with people that would, would fulfill that as well. You know what I mean? When she leaves this room, I bet you she's gonna go up and be like, everyone there was so nice. And that's the people I try to choose to, to surround myself with is people that are you know, genuine and people that are nice and you know, won't necessarily think about me first, they think about their community around them. And I think Portland does do that. And I think Portland does do that a lot more than other cities. And, um, and I think that's just you know, part of the reason we love it here is the fact that it's, it's a community-based city and you know, we care for each other, the people next to us. And, and, and that's important because a lot of times people are so introspective and worried about so much about what's going on in my life and the things that I need to do and things that I need to do that if you can put that down for just a second, maybe you can help someone out. It might even be something as small as giving them a ride, giving them 20 bucks, or like helping them out with something that you might do, whether it's if I have extra tickets, maybe that might make them feel better so that they can go back to work recharged and you know, lead them in that way. So it's just things like that, but I think that I've tried to do that, but I also think that the community itself has, has done a good job of that. Yeah, no, I like talking to you. You're a cool <laughs> dude, man. Um, so, this might be, you know, you don't have to, this has, doesn't have to be a footwear company. Yep. You can say whatever you want. So which brand do you think does the best storytelling? Storytelling? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been a Nike athlete and an Adidas athlete, and... And it doesn't it have, to have to be... be yeah. No. yeah. Oh, it can be it anything. A, oh, any brand, brand yeah. in general. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to save you. Uh, yeah, so you don't oh, have, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're saying don't say Nike. No, no, you can okay. if you want. I don't, I don't care. I don't pay um, any bills of yours. Yeah. Um, I've always been he wants you to say in some brands storytelling because some of it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Like when you watch cologne commercials, like I, those never make sense when it's like... Don't say nothing about Old Spice. Those are made down the street. Yeah. Are they? <laughs> yeah. What? At really? Wyden. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. You can say whatever you want about Old Spice. Um, I don't care. I actually don't mind Old Spice because it's very, it's, I mean, it's pretty typical. I always like, ones that always stick in my head is Dos Equis because they're like, what they say and what they do is very recognizable. Um, I've never had one, but. Uh, <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, you know, the most interesting man in the world and people always make these, these funny comments and stuff like that and it's always traced back to the way Dos Equis does. And I think that in general, I, and, I'll, and I think anyone, I mean, maybe people might agree with this, we can have another conversation, but I think apparel brands and stuff need to do a better job of storytelling. I think that art has kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit. I think that brands can, can better that, and I think that the consumer wants to, those stories to be told, and they want to wear a shoe that has a background. They want to wear a, sh a shoe that has a story with it. So it's like, you know what I mean? I, I saw recently, you know, today it was uh, the best debut signature sneaker. And the first one that I got drawn to was Iverson's. Oh, shout it out! Brought me, it brought me back to a moment. That's why and I talked to this dude. And it's Reebok, and it's the, you know what I mean? It's his signature one, but it brought me back to a specific moment and hear the way he spoke about it and stuff like I know the, I know the tweet you speak of. Everyone in the room doesn't know the tweet you speak of, and I wish we had a screen and put it up. But I felt there was a major miss, and I think one of my boys called it out as a generational thing because no one referenced that shoe over your, uh, your shoulder, the other shoulder. The one. Oh, no, yeah. in that whole in that whole list, no one referenced that, and yeah. I think that's and and not just because I worked with the brand. You know, I think the forum had been around a lot longer and everything like that, and like Magic had to run with it. But like, for the simple fact of how that has transcended a bunch of stuff. Do you think people assume that's one hypothetically? It's, it's, I don't, it's not a generational miss. 
what is a generational miss? They can't say it's a miss. It does, I guess it maybe it, it skipped. Make, it didn't make the, the tweet. It wasn't in the group of, of shoes that they were saying was the best signature shoe for an athlete. It was like oh, okay, LeBron's okay, okay. and Kobe. Okay, and okay. That's okay. A generational miss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, y'all good. I think they people the would assume room, that would be tell. in the top whatever. I think they just said, I think it's like, well, considering the Jordan 1 might be here, let's figure out the next. I, that's the way I kind of took it. But for me, when you see those things, it immediately brings you to a certain place in your life. And that was just us growing up, you know, hmm. watching the Sixers. Other people might be certain, it might be other things. You know what I mean? But yeah, so I just think in general brands can do a better job, and I think they're trying to. I really do think brands are trying. I think Nike's trying to. I think Adidas is trying to. Um, I think brands are trying to do that because I think the consumer wants that. That's fair enough. Fair enough. So like, what do you see yourself doing after the Timbers? I think we're, we're trying to we're trying to dance around that here because yeah. I don't know how much you can go into. I that. I've wanted to work at Nike, and I did not want to work at Nike before I got to Portland, but. Like I said, my platform has put me in front of enough people to see the way product is created, the way product is thought about. Um, you know, to work with a designer and to be in the same room with a designer and to talk to them, the person may or may not be in the building, but to, <laughs> to sit down with a designer and to hear their thought process. He may not be in the building. He may not be in the building. He may not be in the building. But to sit down with, with people that are that I like, I think that job is so damn cool, man. I think that is so cool to me. And like soccer, like I run around a lot and I kick a ball. Like for me, that's not that cool. But like for me, cool. it is pretty cool. But for me to like, to be having conversations with people about product, to make other athletes better, to, to think in that way is, is inspiring to me. And it's kind of like a microcosm of just kind of the way I feel I like to be in terms of just trying to better the people around you. Um, is super cool. So I would love to work in Nike. And I never had that thought until I moved to Portland and got in front of specific people in, in certain you know meetings and stuff like that. And, and product interests me. And I think that there, it can improve. And I think sporting brands need athletes in there to help it improve. So I don't want to sell myself short, but I think I could help Nike eventually whenever I like I'm that, ready, I like that. ready I like to that. get there. Question for you now. Mark, we, we, brands. Yes, we touched on it a little while ago, but for the kids that are out there listening and watching and even some of our guys out there that want to be product managers and mm -hmm. designers and stuff like that, let's go back over your educational background mm -hmm. and everything so like people can understand like there's a path to it, opportunity, possibility or something like that. So where'd you, what'd you do, where'd you go to school? I went to school at the University of Akron, LeBron okay. James, right next to St. Saint, uh, Saint I was right, I was a half a mile away from there. Okay, what'd you study while you were there? Um, I, I started out in communications, because um, I loved to be, I wanted to work on ESPN and be a commentator, but um, eventually I realized that, and this is something I'm gonna tell my kids one day, is I think that you have to have a, a degree that can really take you into something specific, and that's why I changed to a business degree. Um, I mean, a com one does, yes, it does, I can become a, a broadcaster, blah, 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 but I just felt that having something a little bit more, you know, tangible and usable would, would benefit my future better. Um, I think my, my brothers both have, one has a history degree, one has an English degree. And I bet you if they could redo it, they would go back and do something, because that really limited my one brother to be a teacher. And he's not a teacher, and he has a history degree. So I think that, you know, that's a lesson that I learned early because I had a support source in my fiance that was like, you know what, well, you gotta do something that's gonna help you in the future. And I said, fair enough. Um, and I took that advice and I'm really happy that I did that. So I'm gonna graduate with a business degree from Akron. Good stuff. And then so from there, like you said, your first job was actually coaching and stuff like yeah. that. 
at Nike when we were there, they kind of told us that we weren't making products, we were telling stories. Yep. So obviously you've seemed to glean that insight from your previous educational background yep. to work at Nike and stuff like that. What did you learn that, do you, what do you think you learned that allowed you to become a guy that goes, you know, not in a sportswear or into a category, but directly into the kitchen? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, that, that is the, the little, bit, little bit of this story that I think might be just be a little bit of luck. I think I, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a quite of a talkative guy. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not luck, because there's a lot of guys that interview for a PLM position, and you can tell you, like, they, they don't make it. Yeah. It's very selective. Like, yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne's in the background, Mundo's right there. Like, we got people from Nike to tell you, like, yeah. The PLM thing is like you're coveted. Yeah, and that's and that was always when I was going through my my innovation stint that I had to sit down with one of my mentors, James. And um, shout out to James Connolly. Yeah, he was basically saying, you know, where would you want to like potentially start? And I and I liked the PLM position um, as an interesting or an APLM or whatever it might be because I always viewed it as kind of working in a team setting because of, you know, you're not just going in there and worrying about one aspect. As a PLM, you have to work with developers and designers and you have to talk to a bunch of different people and you're kind of working with the team on you know, a common goal. And it's not just you out in the world by yourself as you know what I mean, like a golfer and you're, it's just you and your caddy and you're gonna conquer the world. So um, I like that because it was one of those things where you can work on these you know, relationships and, and to better product. And that was something that really interested me from the get go. Um, and in my, you know, in the business degree, it talks a lot about leadership and stuff like that and how you work with people and how not everyone, you know, functions on the same way. You know, some people take criticism differently and some people, you know, you can, you know, dig into them a little bit more and they'll respond better. Some people you have to really put your arm around at times. And I think that, you know, I try to use that on the field and be someone that can be reliable for people on the field um, and recognizing people's, um, the way they handle um, their business. And I think that also will go into, um, go into hopefully my career at Nike where you, you have these relationships and you want to get the best out of everyone. As a PLM, you're almost like a quarterback in terms of the way you handle everything. Um, so that always interested in me. And, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a team guy, so that, that sounds like a, hopefully a fun path that maybe I'll get to eventually. Did you, uh, what was your relationship like working with a designer on that project? What did you have to actually well, he's a good looking What guy. did you have to bring to the um, table for that? What did I bring to the table? For that, yeah. Right now, to be completely honest, when I've sat down, it's, I almost feel like bashful because I don't work at Nike. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, working in, um, I'm working somewhere where this isn't my full-time job. I'm a Nike athlete. My job's to keep the ball out of the net while I'm wearing superflies. You know what I mean? Like that's what I get paid for. So at this point in time, I, it's, it's a matter of you know, balancing you know, my input along with the fact that ultimately I don't work for the company. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, like I said, seeing the way people handle their relationships and seeing the, you know, what works and what doesn't. And you know, I sat in on a briefing um, of a product, which is essentially where you lay down, I guess, essentially the journey that's going to be taking for, um, for said product, whether it's a shoe or whatever it might be. And I got to see five different briefs of which I would think one or two were no bueno, one or two were really good. So it's, it's a matter of sitting in and, and learning from those experiences and then you know, knowing when to speak up and knowing when to also know your role and say, you know what, like, you don't work here, so let, let the, let the grown-ups talk. <laughs> and um, you know, like I said, a lot of it's just trying to be a sponge and asking questions. And what's nice is, luckily, people understand that I, that I am trying to soak everything up. So designers and developers give me honest feedback about if you were in this position full-time, this is what I would love to see, and this is what I would hate. So now I can go back. So when I was sitting in the room with the designer, 
a designer said, you know what, instead of having one meeting every month, why don't we just have two or three or four casual ones just to stop bys and we, we chat a little bit. So, you know, making little markers every once in a while as opposed to one giant one and then we don't talk for a month and then we come back. So it's things like that that you try to soak up so that when you do get to that point, um, you can be the best employees possible. It's real, it's real. What do you think actually helped you get to that point where you're like a really clear strategic thinker and you know you can kind of deliver those insights to people and stuff? Um, I think it's a big, again, that's a big miss I think that a lot of people have in general. Like when you're trying to present an idea to somebody, you can't really get it, you know, you can't start here and make it to the end and everything. You might get stuck in the middle or something like yeah. that. Yeah, It's funny though because when I first um, started giving a lot of athlete insights, these dudes would ask me so many questions. Like the, the people who created the product would ask me a million questions. And I never thought about it much until I was on the other side and I was asking other athlete questions. And you'll ask him 50 questions and you'll come away with literally a sentence. <laughs> I kid you not, you'll ask him all this stuff and they'll answer, they'll answer for two hours and you'll leave and be like, well, I got, I got this. And that's the one thing you need though. And you might do that 100 times and you might leave with literally 10 things that will shape a shoe in three years. And that's one of those things where I tried to think about my answers that I would give as an athlete, but also why I would give those answers and then I would spin it around and I didn't get there alone. James was the one, one of our buddies, who would, you know, kind of frame, you know, the way of thinking and the way I would go about my business. And in, like I said, picking designers and developers' brains, you know, they really helped give me little tidbits. And like I said, I think when people are open to criticism, they're open to new ideas, then they're going to grow as people. And when people start getting shut down and say, you know what, I'm right, like I'm the my way or the highway, that's when you're really going to start hitting some problems, and ultimately you're going to set yourself back, you know, going forward. Well, we're done asking all the questions. Uh, we'll, everybody's been hanging out for a while, uh, so if you guys have any questions for Zarek, don't be, don't be afraid. I think uh, we did this with DJ Clark Kent. Last year, um, so cool. he was here. And, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. so cool. It was legit. Uh, you can go watch it, man. You know, kicking knowledge. I'll send it to you. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, feel free to tweet about it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and Clark did say like, if you have somebody who's in front of you, you know, who you who you have questions, you know, if you have the opportunity, just ask them the questions. So you guys have someone in front of you, feel free to ask them the questions. You know, mom, even if you got some questions too, you know, I I know you talked to him before, but you know, <laughs> you can talk to him some more. But yeah, you guys have any questions or what's up, bro? Oh, okay. So the, the question was, what was the most nerve-wracking moment of your MLS career so far? Most nerve-wracking moment of my MLS career. Um, I've had some I've had some funny ones. Um, I would say the most nerve-wracking moment I had, and it was more of after the fact. It was um, my rookie year. We were playing away at New York Red Bulls, and um, where were you rookie year? Uh, Chivas team does not exist anymore. Um, they're LAFC. They closed it and then broke it back up. Uh, the most nerve-wracking moment was, I would say, this was about two games into the season. And I wasn't really nervous for my debut, but two games into the season, we played Red Bull away. And they, have, they had Marquez, they had Henri, they had some really good players. And Marquez picked up a ball in the back, and I told our line to, like, hold. And everyone dropped. And Marquez played a ball. Henri took it on his chest and volleyed the ball in the back of the net and ran celebrating the corner flag. And I basically, sorry, Mom, I basically looked at it and I said, holy shit, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like, this dude's pretty good. This, and if anyone doesn't know Thierry Henry, he's like one of the greatest forwards that ever played the game. And he's the type of guy where if he gets one chance, he's going to score. 
And as a rookie, I saw this little half a yard mistake and he put the ball in the back of the net without even thinking about it and ran to the corner flag. We ended up winning the game, crazy enough. But I remember just thinking <laughs> at that point, like maybe like this is just too much for me to be playing against guys of this caliber. Um, I've since developed a little bit more confidence, but for me, that was one where I really started sitting on the field and I actually got moved positionally that game from center back to right back and played a lot better. And then basically since that point, I've been wide. I've actually always wondered why you play the position that you play. That's kind of funny. The, like I saw you back there and I was yeah. like, I wonder why? Cause I saw you, I saw you, I think I saw you shoot, kick a little, try to yeah, get a little was, goal last night. I, I had two yeah, shots. Yeah, um, I was out there. So I basically grew up playing center mid and being the guy who talked a lot and could also pass quite well. Um, so in college, I moved back even further to center back so that I could talk to even more guys on the field. Um, but in the pros, they moved me wide because, you know, there's a lot bigger dudes. And it's a lot more of a physical battle now at center back in the pros than it is at other levels. So they say, you know, we want to utilize your passing higher up on the field. And since you're not a big, slow, big guy, we're going to put you out wide because you're a little more agile and you can kind of deal, you can deal with... <laughs> You can deal with some of the shorter dudes who run at you and try to go 1v1. So we're going to put you wide so you can pass further up on the field, but also deal with some of the shorter quick dudes. Anybody else have a question, Mundo? Yeah, what's up? Uh, what's the first shoe experience? What's your first shoe experience or your favorite shoe? We already know what his favorite shoe is. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but I know. I remember my first shoe experience, the one Irish I really guys. wanted, and I begged my mom to get them, and I wore them in basketball, was, oh, what's, what's the Iversons, if anyone knows? It was the Iversons where he had the little, like, it was, they were black with a silver strap with a patch on front. There were the question twos or threes. So it was, it was his signature later, shoe. Later yeah, it was a black shoe with silver strap, or it was white with a silver strap on it. It was a strap? Or, or it was like a, like a little pad. It was a little piece that had... Like, I, believe, I, believe that, I believe that's an answer six, but I could be wrong. But I begged oh, my mom like for these. Yes, oh, I begged six. my mom oh, for those. Oh, Jada Kiss in the commercial? Yes. yes. Damon, yes. Yes. Kelly yes. Hibbler, yes. Reebok. Yes. Y'all already know who we are. I think Ian needs some <laughs> Yes. Thank you. I remember you know I eventually got now. the black Kelly, pair. let's get it. I got the black pair that I wore with Peter for basketball. And I remember thinking like this, I've made it. This is oh, it. Man. And, and up until that point, I, I wasn't as much into shoes, but I remember my sister was like, yo, like, you're Nike, we got to get these 72 and 10 11s, mm. the joint 11s. And I was like, oh, I'm not that big. And I've entered ordering them. And I remember holding them for about 10 minutes and looking at, like, the craftsmanship. And I was just like, it blew my mind as a Nike, because I wasn't even that much into it. And I was just thinking, like, the leather, like, the patent leather, like, everything that went into it and just going, like, these are all right. Like, these are pretty cool. <laughs> I, can, I can order these? So I remember holding those, and, like, that sparked everything. And now I'm a junkie, but I remember holding those at Christmas time when they came out Christmas in 2015, maybe, oh. around there. And I was thinking, like, those are, those are, I still have them. And I probably will never get rid of them. I remember those are, those are next. Are there time. other products that you've touched that kind of had, that you've had that whole crazy intrinsic appeal? As soon as you touched it and looked at it, you were just like, you know, like, first iPhone or jersey or yeah. cup or something like For that. For sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Ronald Palmer or something like that. Yeah. That actually was, that was incredible. I kid you not. Because it had caffeine, but also tasted good. Everybody who's watched the show already saw this on last year with Aster and Clark and everybody, but LeBronal is a thing. So come to Oregon, have a LeBronal Palmer at Deadstock. I remember holding, um, a national team jersey for like one of the first times and like seeing like the crest and your number and just thinking like, 
man, like, is it, this, this is an honor to wear this thing. And that was always pretty cool. And Jersey designs are pretty amazing. What yeah, they do with yeah. the jerseys. For, for sure. So this was the jersey that I'm talking about was the one they wore in the 2002 World Cup, where it was in South Korea, where we should have beat Germany, but there's a legal handball on the line. So it had like the, the air flaps, but it had all this like crazy stuff. And I remember thinking like, this is such an honor to wear this jersey. And I never ever took that for granted. And even the Timber jersey and all the history that goes along with that. Um, and even just like individual cleat models, I can remember wearing them, the way it feels to take them out of the box. And luckily I've met some of the people that are like, oh, I've worked on that. And I'm like, what? Like I wore this when I was like 10 years ago and I love these things and this. And he's like, oh, what'd you think of this? And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, well, I had to fight with, with John about that. And I'm just like, this is like, it's so cool for me to see that. And I would love to be a part of that and have those conversations and be on the other side of them. And that's what really inspires me in that sense. It's amazing, it's yeah. amazing. But the 72 and 10 and 11, it was incredible. Any other questions from anybody? Oh, yes. So, so the how question soccer asked cleats is, changed? Yeah. yeah, soccer cleats have changed due tenfold. It's unbelievable. Um, the weight is the first one. Um, and I remember thinking like when the Vapor first came out, the one that Ronaldo used to wear, this, it was like silver, thinking like, this is, this is so light. This is, but like now if you pick that up, you're just like. It's like a brick. Yeah, you're like, what is this? <laughs> so now I always tell, you know, when I talk to those guys, like ounces, people can tell the difference between ounces. And and I hate to be that guy that I'm like, this one's heavy. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, this, trust me, the guys are going to complain about this. And lo and behold, they complain. I, I have to interject, and I think that is something that goes with being an elite level athlete. Like, most consumers don't often catch that. But when you show oh, yeah. an elite athlete the two shoes, they can literally tell, like, yo, this is, you shave some grams off of this. Yeah. Almost. yeah. And I always, I always, the way I always talk about it is when I have a different cleat on, I always try to talk about it as if I'm a sniper. So if I have a leather shoe, I know that I can curve the ball more. So I have, to, I have to essentially think about how I'm gonna play the ball differently. If I have a synthetic shoe, I need to do this a little bit more. So some of the materials basically force me to do certain things with the pass. And the way I would always think about it is as an outside back, I think about someone making a run to the corner flag and me bending a ball. And the different materials, I basically tinker that little sniper part of it and say, well, I need to do this, need less, more, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I can tell all those different insights right there. Well, I can tell Tweaking you all those life. differences in boots, and a lot of players can too. Um, the colors is another big one, which is crazy, because back in the day, you used black, that's it. And now it's like vaults and crimsons and all this. Cr I still don't like it. I'm a defender. We like black, that's it. And the other big one is uh, the leather. Um, it's all like uh, kangalite, meaning like it's just kind of synthetic leather. It used to be like legit Kangaroo, leather. yeah. It used yeah. to be kangaroo yeah. leather back yeah. in the day. And it used to be heavy, and when it got wet, it was like a wet leather bag. And now, like, it's, the, the technology is incredible. But part of me loves the simplicity of the old boots. And, again, I'm a Nike guy, but part of me loves the simplicity of, like, a Copa, the Adidas shoe. Yeah. Just, that's it. They haven't changed it. And they try, to, they try to do a new one of it, and the players go, eh, eh, no, 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 let's no. leave it, keep yeah. it simple. And I think if Nike did that with, like, a Tiempo, like the old yeah. school ones, like, it, it would be just as highly uh, received. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a footballer now. Uh, I play a lot of soccer. I started about three months ago, and um, and I can tell also. So I understand what you're saying, bro. Just in the inverse, I got an older brother who's played. We're West African and American and stuff, and he grew up on Adidas. Mm -hmm. And the only Nike shoe he wears is the Legera because yep. it's kangaroo leather, yep. and that's what he knows. Like yep. you have certain people who kind of just 
their thing. That's yeah. their thing. They play. He he has a totally different view. He thinks the Nike shoes are too good. He thinks yeah. they stop you too much, and they he even thinks they cause some of the injuries because you're stopping with the cleats and everything. And yeah. He's like, it's too good. <laughs> he's yeah. like, you need some it's give true. and go. It's yeah. true. I mean, I've had conversations like that because you want traction, but a lot of guys are afraid. They said, we'll give you so much traction, you'll blow your knee out. And I was like, whoa, guys, EK, easy, easy, yeah. easy. Well, I don't even oh, want. I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. Okay, like. And Mundo and I have worked in the training category where we've seen the stuff, the level of detail they go. I mean, like, and you know, yep. like you're in the kitchen, so you know, like yeah. it's millimeters the of studs, depth, the stud heights, and everything like that. Yeah. It's 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 intricate <laughs> it's and science. I, it's yeah, but it's. Yeah, it's always funny, though, to see some of the people behind the product and, like, think, like, you make the cleat that I wear? And then, like, it's just... <laughs> Go to the factory, dude. <laughs> Go to the factory, dude. Take a trip to the factory. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's always funny. But like I said, the cleats are... It, it's, it's incredible to see the progression. And even, like, now, we grew up on leather. Now the kids will say, well, I only play with the cuff. Do you know what I mean? That's oh, the okay. new thing. And it's like, well, if we don't have the cuff, I can't play. And, and the old school players are like, what do you mean? Like... Yeah. But it's the difference in the Kobe low top with the ankle with the with a, a cuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, versus the high top guy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody else? Do you have a question, Mom? Well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to mom for the good question. Yes, 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 yes. important because it's like we're we're kind of sharing this episode is really kind of and this whole week's episode is like you know people trying to move on after their current careers mm -hmm. and like be entrepreneurs and start their own things and I think that plays heavily into your next steps. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they're the reason that we are so lucky to play in Portland, and I don't just say that. I, I mean, it sounds corny, it really does, but. I've played in some pretty bad places. I played at Chivas, and that organization was so bad it folded because we didn't have fans, and the fans didn't care. I always say this, and I say, and I've said this to the national media, I've said it, our fans give a shit. When we win, they're there with us. When we Timbers lose, Timbers Army is no they lose, joke. They I lose. Army last night, bro. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. Not. They lose Man. with us, you know what I mean? And that's and there's very few sports towns where that's like that. And I think that, you know, to to give us such a platform, I think we have to give we have to give back to them, and I think that that's so crucial because if not, then fans won't cheer for you and they won't give you as much energy. and And we do seek them for energy. I do listen to some of their chants and get picked up from that, and that does drive me. And like I said, um, one of the things that will always keep me going is that relationship with them. and I never want a fan to look at me and ever, ever question my effort level and the, the way that I handle my situations with them and, and the energy and, the, and everything that I give them. That's the most important thing for me. And I do think that we have a responsibility to, to talk to them, to get to know them, and to give them as much of us as possible because if they're going to spend their, their hard-earned money that they earn doing whatever they might do and stand in the Army and chant and sing and everything like that, we need to give... A lot of chanting, a lot of singing. Yes, we need to give them as much of you know ourselves as pos as we possibly can. And yeah, at times like you know if I'm walking my dogs, you know I'll sit down and have a conversation for a half an hour. It might be a little bit long, and I'm tired and stuff like that. But 
ultimately I feel it's our responsibility as athletes to, to give back to the fans because I've played in places that are terrible and it's not fun and it's, and it's, and it's, and it sucks. So to be here and the fans care, it makes me want to give them, give that back and give them the energy and give them as much as they're giving me. And as I do some rapper talk here, but no cap, would you actually say that the fans here are the best in the MLS? I think that, I think we are in soccer city USA and, and everyone will argue that. But I have one fact that immediately puts it to rest. If you look at our women's yeah. Thorns yeah. attendance, okay, yeah. think, look at it. I, did, I, I challenge any of you guys, if you look at our women's attendance, if you add up the attendance for the rest of the games in the league, it does not equal our women's team. Our women's team averaged 17,000 a game. In Orlando, they're getting 7,000. In, in Jersey, they're getting about three. In KC, they're getting about five. So if you add up all them, that's why every, every women's player wants to play here. Yep. It is the premier place for women's soccer. And I sit field side basically every game, and I love it. And it's so fun. And so when we sell out every game, and they're basically selling out because this capacity is 21,144, and they're at 17,000. They're basically yeah. They're basically sold out every game, and when anyone tries to argue that, they say it's Kansas City. You can get out of here with that garbage because it's not even close. Because <laughs> they get five thousand people at a game. Yeah. They they play in front of an empty stadium. When yeah. we get seventeen thousand, and we have fans, and we travel, and we do well, like it's not even a question. So we have the best fans in the league, and it's our responsibility to to give them a piece of us because they leave their voices and they leave their hard-earned money at the stadium. It's the least we can do to give back to them. So if you're watching this, forget coming here to see Dead Stock. Come here to see the you know, I'm just playing. <laughs> Get a coffee and go see and a, game. a game. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you gotta watch Derek while you're playing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty yeah. much but, it. Yeah. But but the, the the huge piece here, guys. Massive. Very massive piece here that we have to say. Um, we want to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to our folks over at Digital Trends. You might know that little website. They kind of talk oh, about yeah. little small stuff in the electronics world and everything like that. Small. And um, also our good folks here at uh, Pencil for helping us to get all this stuff started. Mm -hmm. Brothers over here at Deadstock, uh, all of our Estate Society and all of our friends and family here in town. Our local businesses around here that always support us. Index, uh, Index Compound. Yep. Uh, unspoken, and of course, the space we're in right now, and the soon-to-be hotel group that has changed hands. Oh, yes. Actually, the shoe releasing here in a couple days too. Yes. Nike. Yeah. Oh, gotta give Nike. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, we gotta Sarah keep it real. Gotta thank Nike. Gotta thank Adidas, of course, too, because they're our big brands in town as well, and all the other footwear brands and, and technology companies out here too. And of course. Digital Trends. I think we have a little gift here yeah, from yeah. Digital Trends to give to Zarek. Oh, look at the family. Oh, and look, my <laughs> wife and my daughter are here, too. What's up, yeah. dude? Hey, everybody give a round of applause. This is BJ. Yeah. He helped make it all happen. Oh, wow. And our lovely gift bags from Digital Trends, yeah. Love this. Shout out to Digital Trends for being a great sponsor, guys. No, dude, I got my hat finally. I remember you had this on last time. <laughs> I didn't need that yeah. hat. Yeah, dude, it was big reveal.